Marketing That Works with Drew Bedard is a proud member of the Market Street Media Podcast Network. From their beautiful studio in downtown Johnson City, Market Street Media can help you create a podcast with no hassle. You don't have to fool with equipment. You don't have to fool with software. You don't have to worry about editing your podcast. Best of all, you don't have to worry about making embarrassing mistakes as you're trying to start your podcast. All you have to do is walk in, record your show, and walk out. Market Street Media does the rest. They'll even live stream your show to thousands of people on their Facebook page. Come see how fun and easy podcasting can be at Market Street Media. Find us online at marketstreet.media. That's marketstreet.media. I'm Drew Bedard, and this is Marketing That Works, a podcast about the tools, tips, and tactics that business owners and marketers need to wow their customers and grow their profits. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Marketing Networks podcast. I got another great interview for you this week. Excited about this one. Uh, My guest this week, his name is Brian Clayton. He is the CEO of a great company called GreenPal, which is at yourgreenpal.com. Brian and I connected um, through his company, but, you know, he's a real live entrepreneur. He's a guy who started, he was the founder of Peachtree, which was one of the largest landscaping companies in Tennessee, growing it to over 10 million in annual revenue before selling it in 2013. And then he started GreenPal with a couple of other business partners and they've grown it to over a $20 million business, 100,000 active customers and experiencing 100% growth year on year. So this is a this is a guy you need to listen to because he knows what it's like to build a company. And there's some great insights in here about early days and about what to do when you're growing and, and how to get information from your customers. So I think you're really gonna enjoy this interview. Um, and there, there's some great marketing tips in here too. We talk a lot about search and about um, digital and, and what he needed to do to not only grow um, in the Nashville, Tennessee area, but then outward from there uh, throughout the country. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Brian Clayton. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Marketing Networks podcast. I got a really special treat this week. I got a business owner, an entrepreneur, a business runner, Um, that I was able to get introduced to in the past few weeks. And I'm excited about today's interview with Brian Clayton from GreenPal. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Um, so I want to I want to get into you know obviously the the audience that's out there they're probably business owners marketers they want to hear about how you guys are marketing your business but Brian I would love a little bit of the backstory of how GreenPal came to be but also other businesses maybe that you've run and sold and you kind of your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, right on. So I've never had a job. I've always owned my own businesses. I started cutting grass in high school. My, my dad actually forced me to mow my first yard and reluctantly I, I mowed that yard with him and I made like 20 bucks cutting it. And ever since then I was hooked on entrepreneurialism and owning my own business. Um, I actually stuck with that lawn mowing business all through high school and college. I grew it into a real business. And uh, when I graduated college, I had to make a decision. Was I gonna double down on this lawn mowing business thing I was doing or was I gonna enter the job market and essentially take a pay cut and I decided to stick with the with the lawn mowing business. And uh, by the time I was 25 years old, I had something like 50 employees, uh, and I grew that business into one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee. Uh, over 125 people, 10 million dollars in revenue. 
2013, that company was acquired by one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. And so over a 15 year period of time, I took that business from zero revenue, zero employees to a, about 150 people, 10 million in revenue. And I learned a lot about the right way and the wrong way of building a company and, and how, to, how, to, how to hustle up your first uh, set of customers and then how to build a sales process. And I, I, I just learned it all through trial and error because in those early days, there wasn't resources like this. There wasn't podcasts that you could listen to. There wasn't uh, YouTube that you could learn from. And so I, I did that uh, and then I applied all of those lessons to my second company, GreenPal, which is kind of like the Uber for lawn mowing. Really so if you're a homeowner, yeah, you need your grass cut. You just jump on our on our website or our mobile app, and you can hire a great lawn care service in less than a minute, and just pay them all through the app. And uh, and and now I'm seven years into GreenPal. Uh, we've bootstrapped this business. My two co-founders and I we're going to do 20 million in revenue this year. Uh, several hundred thousand homeowners that use the platform. And so now here we are again. You know, growing my second business with no outside revenue. Uh, and just kind of hustling and the sheer will and determination has gotten us where we are. Oh, I can't wait to dig into how you were able to do that. Um, so GreenPal, again, you know, you kind of explained the product, but essentially, and, and I just discovered it recently, which is fantastic because I've actually been looking for this exact service for a long time, which is you kind of described it as the Uber for lawn mowing services is basically I put in my area where I'm living, I put in some specifications about my lawn and then, I mean, within minutes, I was able to get, um, I was able to get a quote from a local vendor. So wh when you guys started this seven years ago, where was, did you just, was it a personal pain point or were you just hearing this from customers? Yeah, great question. So I, I was able to uh, approach the, the problem with the knowledge uh, in the industry of seeing it exists over many years, over and over and over again. People would call my office from my landscaping company just needing a basic grass cutting service. My company had grown to the point where we no longer offered those basic lawn mowing services. We were strictly commercial. And so we would refer out a few names and, and try to help people out. And then they would call us back and say, hey, those people didn't answer the phone. They didn't return my voicemail. Do you have any more, do you have any more names? And so it was kind of like one of these things, like no good deed goes unpunished. It, it got to be more of a headache than anything. But I saw the problem exist. I knew that it exists. And so um, I, I, when I sold that business, I took some time off. Uh, and then I decided, okay, we, this needs to exist. I saw what, what Uber and Lyft were doing for ride sharing. Airbnb was doing for accommodations. I thought, okay, an app, a platform, a marketplace could make this a lot easier for everybody. For homeowners who just need a good solid lawn mowing service, but also for people who make their living mowing grass, uh, a tool set, if you will, that to help them uh, build and grow their business. And so I recruited two co-founders that were longtime friends of mine, and we just started working on the problem. None of us knew the first thing about how to build software. Uh, we didn't know how to design and distribute and market software, but we just started learning as much as we could. We just started hacking on it, and we made a lot of mistakes in the early days, uh, but we just didn't give up. And so the first three or four years were really, really hard, but after we got a little bit of momentum going, a little bit of revenue, we were able to reinvest that and continue to grow and scale the business. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so talking about those early struggles, I think also, I mean, knowing that you guys were battling kind of the operational side and the software side, but then on the marketing side, this is where kind of I love to get into is to try to understand how early growth businesses really get going. So was it 
you, because, because I guess part of the first problem or, or thing that you guys had to solve on the back end was you had to get vendors into the system. So right. did you have to market to vendors first and then to customers or was it a phased approach? How did that go? Yeah, great, great question. So when you're building a multi-sided marketplace like this, you do essentially have two customers and you have that, what they call the chicken and egg problem in the early days. And so for us, yes, we had to, uh, we had to figure that out the hard way. Okay, how do we get both sides to the party at the same time? And the way we approached it was just by dialing for dollars. We would get on Craigslist, anybody that was advertising on Craigslist, uh, we, would, we would just call them and try to ha- let them hear us out and let them understand that, hey, we're building something that can help you. It's free to use. Would you try it out? Uh, I can meet with you at Starbucks and show you how it works. And we figured out that Sunday was actually the best day to call these people because they, you know, usually they're on a lawnmower mowing yards and they can't pick up the phone. And so we, my, my co-founders and I would come in the office on Sunday and we would just call down the list on Craigslist and try to get two or three meetings. And we would try to get five or 10 people a week to join it. So it was that sheer hustle of just, of just trying to grind it out those first early adopting vendors to let, get them to where they could try it, sell them on the vision and then market it to homeowners so, so these folks were ready and waiting for them so they can hire them off the shelf. That's how we did it for the first three years. Now we've got a little bit of mind share, a little bit of brand in the lawn mowing industry. And so we organically attract a lot of suppliers. But in the early days, it was just sheer hustle, calling people on the phone and just, and just giving them our pitch and, and hoping that they would try it out and they would like it. And then on the homeowner side, uh, it was even harder because uh, the way we got started was none of us knew how to write code. We didn't know how to design software, build software. So we, we paid a development agency in Nashville, something like 120 grand to build the first version of this thing. And, and when, we, when we built it, we launched it, it was totally crickets. Nobody used it. We didn't have any users. We didn't have any go-to-market strategy. And so at the time, I was reading a book uh, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in that book, uh, the author, Stephen Covey, talks about you have to you have your circle of concern and then you have your circle of influence and your circle of influence is what is it you can actually do today to increase your circle of concern. And so for me, uh, I, I thought, OK, well, what's the one thing we can do to try to get some people to use this thing? And and it was like, OK, we can pass out door hangers. And that's what we did. We, we passed out several hundred thousand door hangers throughout uh, the Nashville, Tennessee area to to try to, to, to manufacture some momentum for people to try this thing out. And, and luckily, you know, it, it wasn't a huge success, but it was able to get us a couple of hundred people to try it out. And with that, we were able to then meet with these people to understand, okay, where did we solve your problem? Where did we come up short? What do you wish the, the product would do that it didn't? Uh, what were you expecting it to do? And, and we were able to get all kinds of insights uh, uh, about if we were on the right track, if we were building something that people wanted to use, what our value proposition was, what we thought it was, what it actually was. And so uh, like literally like getting out of the building and talking to these people was just fundamental to, the, to, to our success. And even to this day, like that constant feedback from users is, is how we drive the business forward. And in those early days, it was, it was life or death. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Cause not all, I mean, I think you hear about all the kind of bells and whistles marketing, of, you know, investing it right back into um, whether it be, you know, pay digital or traditional media and different things like that. But it sounds like you guys took that patient approach of saying, we're going to take this step by step and we're going to learn from every consumer that uses 
the company. Now, when you guys got to a point where you had enough vendors in the system and you had enough customers, you had some momentum, what, what tactics did you guys use at that point to achieve growth or kind of, I mean, we're using a, the, the medium of a podcast today and Sarah, your assistant, you know, kind of hooked us up and I know you're probably doing a lot of these interviews, which is, this is a great way to grow these days is to get on podcasts, but maybe three, four years ago, where did you guys transition to the growth phase and what tactics did you use at that point? Was it email? Was it paid digital? What was it? Yeah. So the, when we were passing out door hangers, uh, we got to learn really quick that this was not a scalable user acquisition strategy. Uh, I, I, I got bit by a dog twice. And so I did the math and I realized that 10 customers per dog bite uh, wasn't going to scale. And so we, we learned really quick the hard way that, that, yeah, we could get a few hundred people to try this thing, but we had to figure out, okay, how we're going to market it digitally and how we're going to try to scale up acquisition. One of the things that there was two critical things that came out of those early meetings with the first couple hundred people one was honing in on our value proposition. So I, I was uh, approaching the problem with, with thinking that, okay, we are the cheapest way that you can get your grass cut. I, I came from it from a supplier standpoint. And, and as a supplier, you, you really kind of get jaded. You think, oh, everybody just wants the cheapest price. Customers just are always looking for the cheapest way to get this done. And so I had that beat in my head. And what I came to realize after talking with these folks face-to-face was they weren't looking for the cheapest way to get lawn mowing. They were just looking for somebody who was reliable, who would actually show up. Because by the time they try something new like GreenPow, they never heard of it. They never tried to, to order lawn mowing on, off the internet or off of a mobile app. They've exhausted every other option. They've already asked for friends and family recommendations. They've already searched all over Google. They've already called everybody off of Facebook and Yelp. And so they really just needed somebody like today or tomorrow morning, and they needed them to actually show up and know when they hire them that they have confidence they will. So after like talking with these people face to face, we came to understand that we were actually in the business of selling reliability and speed. Mm. And that price was, was subordinated to that. Yeah, price would mattered, but it wasn't as important as speed and reliability. And so we took that and we then baked that into the product, how we built the second version of the product, how we crafted our interfaces to ensure that when you hire somebody off of GreenPal, they're going to show up and they're going to do a good job. And they're going to be there when they say they will. And here we are six, seven years later, we're still optimizing and making that even more and more reliable every day. So that was one critical thing that uh, had we not done that, we wouldn't have really understood what our value proposition uh, was and is. And, and so then we were able to bake that into the copy and bake that into how we communicate with users and really bake that into how we were crafting the product. Um, the second thing we came to, to learn was uh, one of the questions we would ask these folks is like, okay, if you didn't have GreenPow, how would you normally look for a lawn mowing service or something like this? And, and a lot of people said, I just, you know, when in doubt, I go to Google and I search for lawn mowing services and that's, that's how I found my last guy. And so then we started really hearing that over and over again. And we thought, okay, uh, maybe, maybe we just need to bet on search. And we just need to bet on, 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 search, on searchers and traffic as, as the way to get our users. And then we slowly began to understand how difficult that is and how it was going to be a bet the company decision, especially in the early days to be able to compete and search. It's going to be like, not necessarily like, okay, here's the product and we sprinkle marketing on it. It's here's the product and marketing is part of it. Growth is part of the product. And so we made that bet early uh, in year one that we were going to compete in search. We were going to do the things to, to rank well in Google. And here still to this day, 
if you had to put out like a pie chart as far as what Green Pal's core competencies are, search is like a big part of that pie. Wow. That's interesting. But you're right. And you've made this point a couple of times is that I was actually going to ask a follow-up question about the word of mouth aspect of it is that if speed and reliability and price to some degree are part of the mix that make it where they're going to spread the word about your company, did you guys ever have to make some tough decisions about vendors? Like if somebody didn't show up, did you have to kick them out of the platform? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and, you know, that's something that, and the early days was tough because the first, I don't know, 500 lawn mowing services that use the platform, I personally knew. Okay. And, and one thing that, that we had to do in the early days, uh, I, would, I would give like free consulting and coaching to lawn mowing services on how to grow your lawn mowing business as a way to like earn their, uh, their attention on using GreenPal. And so I had personal relationships with a lot of our early suppliers. And so, yeah, um, we, we didn't just like cut people loose uh, in the early days, but we would try to figure out why don't you show up on time to mow Mrs. Smith's yard when she hired you for Friday? We would really try to figure out like why you don't. And we would use the, uh, the, 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 the Toyota uh, lean, lean manufacturing uh, heuristic called uh, the five whys. And so you literally ask why five times. Okay, well, why didn't you show up? Well, uh, I, I didn't know I was supposed to be there. Well, why didn't you know I was supposed to be there? We sent you an email. Well, I don't use email to, to, to drive my business. I, I, I check it once a week. Okay. All right. So what do we need? To, we need to like send a text message. Then. Okay. Well, and then, and then we got to the point where it's like, okay, um, now we have, now we're sending you text messages, but so why didn't you show up? Well, I didn't get the text message. Well, it turns out that like his cell co coverage provider was, uh, was uh, filtering them. So we had to like do this over and over and over and over and over again to where we could like deliver that reliability. And so this one like early lesson like drove how we built the platform. And so after we figured out everything we could do to make sure they would show up on time, if they still didn't, then we figured out a way, okay, we can measure the reliability of these service providers. And so it, it, we literally calculate a reliability rating on how often a service provider shows up on the day they're hired. And we surface that alongside their price when a homeowner is mm -hmm. making a hiring decision. So That's great. that was something we did like year three and four. It's like, okay, this is how we promote the good acting service providers and, de and demote the bad ones. And then if you fall below a certain threshold, your, 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 your account is deactivated. And so that is the ability for the homeowner to, to not have to weed through these unreliable service providers is part of the value that we deliver to them that they can't get uh, in, in, in a traditional way of getting the service done. Yeah. Yeah. You're building trust into the system and then trust builds word of mouth. And right. that's just as important. And you said search is incredibly important, but um, you know, say, I mean, I, I went into the system and just experimented because my wife said, you still need to get your butt out and mow the lawn. So I wasn't able to hire anybody yet, but I've like got this in my back pocket when I need it. And I know that, you know, and especially, you know, if this was a, you know, in my case, if it's a husband's job, like go find a vendor to cut the lawn. Okay. They're going to be here at 10 AM tomorrow and they don't show up. Well, he's going to hear an earful and Absolutely. then that green pal is not going to get that word of mouth. But when that reliability, that trust factors built in, it's like they showed up, they did the job. Then I'm going to go tell 10 people like you got to use the service. It works every single time. So that's brilliant to, it's almost like Amazon reviews and it's probably how you guys do it. Almost like algorithmically raise people's profile. If they're more reliable, they're speedy, they're safe, they're, you know, they do all those things. So that's, that's really cool and a great growth Absolutely. strategy. And to, and to your point, 
this one, um, like that, that doesn't sound like a search engine optimization tactic that you just described, but it really is because mm -hmm. the more that people are, are satisfied with your product, the more they, they tell their friends and family and the more people that search for your brand, Google then promotes your brand above others. So Google has a million different signals they look at, but one is, are people actually searching for this product? Are people actually searching for this brand in this in Houston, Texas, for example? And if they are, then then that moves up the search engine results page. So back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, search engine optimization was all like black hat, like like mis mysterious dark magic. Right. These days, it, it's more and more moving towards just business fundamentals. Do you actually have the best solution for a problem in your market? And if you do, it's, it's really, really funny, but Google actually is able to understand that and promote your, your product over the others if people are getting satisfaction from it and if it's solving the problem. Wow, that's really interesting. It's almost like this uh, digital better business bureau that Google's becoming, right? A more trusted, reliable solution. That's what search engine optimization is these days or how it's evolving. So that's a really- It is, it's, 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 it's like half of the technical things that, you know, not to go down the rabbit hole search, but things like backlinks matter and, and right. how you craft your, the HTML on your page and the content on the page. Yeah, those things still matter. 10 years ago, they might've been 99% of the game, but now they're probably less than half. Mm -hmm. And things more like, what are people saying about your brand online? When somebody comes to your page, do they not ever go back to Google and search for that thing again? Oh, and good if point. they don't, Google understands that and, and, and scores it positively. They call it pogo sticking. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so if somebody comes to your homepage or landing page and then they never search for it again, that promotes you up the search uh, engine results page. That's awesome. Yeah, That's awesome. and, and this, this is, stuff is really, you can't game it. You just, you have to be the best solution in your market. Yeah, absolutely. So Brian, I, I think I could talk to you all day, man. I, I maybe uh, I need to call you as a business coach because it sounds like you, <laughs> you've been through it all. Um, but I'm going to ask, uh, well, I'm going to ask you, you've talked a lot about tactics, tools, entrepreneurship, how to grow, how to hustle, even, even the ground game aspects of going door to door, hanging door handles and calling people and doing all those things. So I'm going to ask you one just rapid fire question. You mentioned Stephen Covey's book earlier, but is there is there any book or books that have really influenced you over this entrepreneurial journey that anything that maybe you gift a lot or that you recommend all the time? Cause I just love for my listeners to be able to get a book recommendation out of this. That's absolutely. And, and this one probably has come up before, but for me, like the, the Bible for small business is the e-myth and uh, Stephen Gerber, uh, mm -hmm. Michael Gerber wrote that book. And, yep. and so that, that, that book is like an owner's manual for how to like think about your business and how to build it right the first time. And the book talks a lot about the, the difference between being on it versus in it. And so uh, the book's about a, a lady that starts, that loves to bake pies with her grandmother. And she has all of these like warm memories of baking pies. She has a passion for baking pies. All of her friends and family tell her that she makes the most amazing pie. And then she makes like probably a mistake by, by opening up her own pie bakery. And she, then she learns really quickly that there's a big difference between like baking pies and, and having a business that sells pies. And so the book guides this, this fictional character through the process of understanding of the difference between working in your business, which is like 
making the dough and putting the pie in the oven and like, you know, and working and working on your business, which is building the systems around how do you have your proprietary system for whatever it is you do that is repeatable and scalable. And then, and like as simple as a, as a heuristic as that sounds like 90% of, of new business owners don't even think to, to, to build their business that way. And so that's a book that I, I read and listen or listen to on audible at least once every year or two, because it's still the fundamentals of it even applied to, to what I'm doing this to, to, to today. Like, mm-hmm. okay, all right, I'm, I'm doing these things that are in the business, but how do I step back and build processes around them? Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't, I can't recommend that book enough. Okay. Well, that's great. That's a great recommendation. Yeah. I've got that on my bookshelf behind me here. And it's been one of those that I've kind of come back to over and over again, because it does have great lessons in it. Well, Brian, thank you so much for the time. And I'm glad that we got connected. I'm glad I have your tool in my life now, because it's going to provide me with a lot of uh, joy at some point when I need to hit that button and go on uh, getting a lawn mowing service at GreenPal, but also thank you for the wisdom. Thanks for sharing your experiences with the Marketing Networks audience. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of great things out of this. So Brian, thanks again for being on the show. And uh, again, how do people find GreenPal? I believe it's yourgreenpal.com, correct? That's right. You can, you can just go to yourgreenpal.com or just look up GreenPal in the app store or the play store and uh, you can download it. And if you need if you don't want to waste your time mowing your grass, you can get hooked up with a great lawn mowing service in less than a minute. And how, how do people find you? Because I, I, it sounds like you probably share some great lessons and learnings. Yeah. Yeah. Email is the best way to get at me. You can just email me, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, at yourgreenpal.com. If you're a business owner or an entrepreneur, try to put me on second or third base with, with what it is you're doing and what you need help with. And I'd, I'd be happy to help you out based on my experience. That's a, that's a great tip. Second or third base. It's not like, Hey dude, I'm thinking about starting a business. Um, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. what checking account should I get? You're like, no, 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 no. Right, let's, right, right, yeah. you know, let's get down the road a little help bit. Me so, help you. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, Brian. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the marketing that works podcast to find out more and to get the show notes and everything that's going on, go to marketstreet.media. That's where I house this wonderful podcast on the Market Street Media Podcast Network. So thanks, check it out, and we'll see you on the next episode.